to Kamari's Place. I hope you're having a wonderful day, evening, night, or whatever time you're listening to this video or to this podcast. Come in, make yourself comfortable, and let's have a talk about life because there's so much going on. Hi, guys. I don't know exactly how this podcast is going to be structured because I do have so much that I want to talk about. And I don't know if I want to put it all into one podcast. Like, there's just been so much going on for the past few days that I would like to just take the time to think through, to talk about, to como se dice, reflect upon. Um, so let's talk about... Um, Ah, it's like, do I want to have certain things separate? Let me tell you some of the things that I really want to talk about. I want to talk about my experience with my first job. I want to talk about my birthday recap, which I may put in a separate video because I don't know how long the reflection is going to be. So it can be like, you know, a reflection of me and my birthday. And then um, I also want to talk about this movie that I watched last night. So it's not really that much. So I think we can do it all into one podcast. So yes, let's just start at the beginning of the week with some of the most bigger things that has happened. Just a preface, like this week is my birthday week. It's the week of like April, April, like April 10th to what is this week? Hold on, let me look at my calendar. So yeah, my birthday falled in the week of 11th to the 17th, April 11th through 17th. My birthday is on April 15th, by the way. So uh, the week started off, it started off beautiful. I knew that I had some plans to look forward to. Um, But one of the bigger events that happened was on Tuesday. I had an interview scheduled, my first interview, and I was super a little bit nervous. I was like, I don't know, this is like my first time doing this. It was a group interview, it was over Zoom, so there was a lot of good sides or upsides to having the interview like this because for one, I was in my room, so I was in my comfort element. Um, For two, it was over Zoom, so then it wasn't like in person, in person. Um, three, it was a group interview. So when they asked questions, one girl went before me and then I went and then, um, one boy went after me. So I had a little bit of time to kind of like prepare for what my answer would be. So I thought that that was really nice. But prior to the interview, I wanted to like take at least a week to prepare for the interview. Um, but it kind of didn't happen like that because my schedule is busy. So I kind of just prepared two, um, two to two and a half days before the interview. And I just went online. I typed up some random, like most commonly asked interview questions. And I just picked out the ones that I thought that they would ask. And also the ones that I felt like I would have a really great, strong answer for. And literally, thank you, God, because also this is going to be a gratitude podcast. And literally. Every single question that I that I wrote down and prepared for or prepared to answer for were the questions that they asked. So some of the questions that they asked were like at the beginning, they asked me to introduce ourselves. What is our intended major and why did we apply for the Como City State job? And I was so happy that they did that because I had already prepared an answer for why I wanted to apply for the job and how me applying for the job would help me in my intended major. So that was like on par. I was basically like, you know, um, my name is Kamari Gwen. Um, I plan to major in psychology and I hope to go into a field um, such as um school counseling or guidance counseling, something along those lines. And so because of that, I wanted to apply for this job because I thought it would be the perfect opportunity to gain some experience, especially going into the field that I want to. And then I said, in addition to this, I felt like I already kind of have some experience being a peer mentor because so many of my peers, and this is a true story, by the way, and that's why I added it. A lot of my peers throughout the, throughout the semesters, the two semesters that I've been at FSW, like, They're just always like, hey, Kamari, like, what can I do? Like, how do I do this? Hey, Kamari, where do I find this? Hey, Kamari, like, what we're supposed to do? What was that? Everybody's always asking me questions. I don't know if they do that to everybody, but I know they do it to me and I have no problem helping them. Like, that's what I love to do. I love to help others. And I 
usually am a mecca for information. And if I don't already have the information, I'm going to try to figure it out or try to give you the best tips that I possibly know how from my experience. And then I keep it pushing. So that's one of the reasons why I thought this job was um, perfect. And then they asked, um, you know, what is one of your weaknesses and como se dice um, strengths? And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for asking this question. I didn't say that out loud, but in my head, I'm like, I have an answer prepared for this. So basically, I said that my weakness was I have a poor work-life balance, but I've been trying to implement boundaries to make sure that I can, you know, stay balanced so that I can give my best to not only my academic and work life, but also my personal life. And it was like, oh, period. I did that, girl. And then for my strength, I said that um, I just have a passion for helping people. I'm very driven in that way. Um, and I said that I just get such fulfillment out of being a support to other people to give to other people. And that is also a true statement. If you've listened to any of my past podcasts, especially the ones what it's like more so about like personality or como se say, um, what, what do I bring to the table? I talk a lot about it in that podcast. And so, yeah, that's like a really true statement that's authentic to me. And then the last couple of questions were like, where they gave each of us an individual spinoff question, like not all of us answered. And so the one that I got was, how would I describe SLS to um, a, como se dice, first time college student at FSW? And I was like, um, basically, I would describe it as a AVID class. If they've taken AVID in high school, it's similar to that. It's basically a college prep um, class. It it prepares you to be successful. It sets you up for success. It gives you the tools that you need, um, not only to help you to succeed in your academic life, but also going into your professional work life. And so, girl, when I tell you, I think that I did a really great job. I really think that I did a really great job. And not only did I do a really great job, the two other people that were next to me that were in that um, podcast, not the podcast, but the interview, they did such a really great job too. So I'm so excited to hear back from them. And my whole attitude kind of going into this um, thing was like, this is something that's out of my comfort zone. I've never applied for a job before. I've never worked a job before. And I was like, I got to start somewhere and I want to get this experience. So I'm just going to go through the process and wherever it leads me. I've already learned so much from it. Wherever it leads me, whether I get the job or not, I've already gained so much experience from this. I've revamped my, because I applied for this job, I've already revamped my resume. So in the future, when I need to submit a resume, I don't even have to do too much heavy lifting. Also, shout out to Miss Daphne for helping me with my resume because she really did make it look chef kisses oh my gosh it's so beautiful that's probably why they called me back too because of miss daphne's resume along with the experience that's on it but that resume just the formatting of it is everything um so yeah my whole like my whole thought process around this is like i'm not going in like why well, I'm going in with the expectation to get the job, but that's not the main goal that I really want out of this experience. I want to learn something from it. So whether I get the job or not get the job, I am getting something out of it. I'm preparing a resume for that'll help me in the long run. I have an interview experience now because I've never interviewed a day in my life. I don't think I've ever done an interview. And even in JLTC, which is one of the prime like opportunities to have interviewing experience. I've been on an interview panel, you know, interviewing other people, but I've never been an interviewee. And I think that's crazy, but it also just speaks to my work ethic. And um, yeah, my work ethic. I didn't have to interview because they already saw what I produced and what I put out. So they're like, here, Kamari, here's your rank because you deserve it. You show up, you do what needs to be done. So I understand that not in not every, como se dice, um, discipline, that's not going to be a luxury that I'll have. I'll actually have to showcase my experiences verbally beforehand before I can put it into action and they'll, they'll see it. But anyways, I'm just so excited for this. As again, I think I just have to keep saying this because I want to also continue to internalize this and not forget this. Kamari, this is a learning experience. No matter if I get the job or not, it's a learning experience. When I get the job, if I get the job, it's going to continue to be a learning experience because now I'm going to have to figure out how to schedule my schedule and como se dice time manage. And it's just, I'm here for it. I'm here to learn. I'm here to take as much as I can. I'm here 
to absorb and experience as much as I can because what I'm experiencing and learning now can only just add to whatever I'm going to experience and learn in the future. However, whenever, whatever. You know what I mean? So that was my Como to say first interview experience. Are you guys proud of me? Because I am proud of myself. Like I am, I am, I am. And I think that this job is the perfect like starter job for me because it's very low impact. So it allows me to really focus on academics, which is my goal. That is my main focus. Um, I don't have to work, but I would like to work because I, I'd like to have, you know, a little change of my own, but I like that I can do both of these things while being able to focus on the main task at hand, which is getting my education first. And so, yes, I'm very, very excited. And this is my first interview experience. Be proud of me guys. Really be proud of me because like most of all my friends have had jobs by now and I haven't. And I kind of feel like, it, it goes without saying, but they're like, Kamari don't work nowhere, so she's not going to understand. But watch, when I get the job, I would be like, guys, I work. I work, you know? So I'm going to have, like, the same, like, experience <laughs> as my friends. Let me stop it. No, but honestly and truthfully, this is another thought that I want to put out. I really do respect people that work full-time and do school full-time and can manage to get passing grades. Because, girl, I I can't really ever fathom how a lot of people are able to do it. But one thing that I can say, while it is very stressful, I would presume, while it is very, como se dice, um, taxing on your body mentally, physically, it's very stressful. In a, in a way, it is also building something in your character in your, in your grit, you know, within you, if something is being built up that not a lot of people like me up until this point has been able to get in that way. If you know what I mean, like I know a lot of my friends who work and they also do school. Like when I see their work, their work ethic and their drive, they're very much go-getters. They're very much ambitious and not a nasty ambitious, but a good, healthy ambitious. And I love that they are, willing and able to you know what I mean and so yeah I just find them being a lot more independent a lot more like capable even though they are going through a bit of stressors a lot of stressors I'm not even going to try to minimize it a lot of stressors there is something that's being built in them um so while it is painful at least at least from an outside perspective Something is being built and they may not appreciate it now, but they may appreciate it in the long run. And then for the flip side, for people who are like me, who haven't worked basically ever, it's not to say that you're lazy either. And it's not to say that you have no grit either or no work work ethic either or no drive. Um, But I think that for a lot of people, if a stake is there, it really does like prompt you to go harder. I feel like it's biological. Like if there is a stake, your body is in like fight or flight mode. But if there is no threat to your situation, to your livelihood, you know what I mean? Then you are likely to kind of go a little bit like, you know, like kind of like sail a little bit. So yeah, and that's not to take away from the experience because while we probably don't work, we still have strongholds. I know we still have like stressors that are on our life because school is stressful in itself. So school and work, imagine. So it's not to take away from any of the experiences. It's just to say that those two experiences are different and you can get a little bit different things from it or what you get out of it or what it produces in you is just it just produces and manifests in a different way. Like you can get work ethic and drive while going to school and working, or you can get work ethic and drive by just simply like putting your all into your school and giving that all because that is also a task on its own or giving your all to work, you know, and doing that because that's a task on its own. You can get all of that, all of those great character building attributes, but it just may come in a different way at a different time, at a different pace, Who knows, however, but it's not a matter of degree. It's a matter of difference. If you haven't listened to that podcast, not be plugging my own podcast, but if you haven't listened to it, it's not a matter of, it's not a matter of degree. It's a matter of difference. I definitely recommend because I go more into it and it helps us to be at harmony with each other. 
All right, we're done with the interview, period. We're proud. Let's move on. So let's talk about my birthday. Uh, I had a really great birthday. I really did have a really great birthday this year. I've always had really great birthdays. Last year was a little, it fell flat a little bit as far as like the theatrics, but I'm not even going to downplay last year's because it was good too. I spent time with my family because we were over lockdown. I spent time with my family. We had seafood. I took pictures. They were bomb. Like it, everything was great about that. And that's the same thing for this year. Let me take out through the pro- the thought process of like how I was envisioning how my birthday was going. Every year I do a birthday field photo shoot. It's just a given and I want to continue that because it's a time to commemorate the year and I really do love taking pictures when I look good at the right time. And so on my birthday I tend to look good so I'm going to take pictures. Anyways, so let me explain to y'all how the photo shoot that y'all go see on Instagram, how that came about. Basically, I was like at a loss for ideas on what to do. Last year I did like the little um, silver shiny metallic um, presents in the background as props and then the silver streamers. So I was there for that but I was like I don't really want to repeat this or at least in that same entity. I don't know if that's the word but in that same way. So I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking. I was in the bed, I was thinking. I don't know how it came to me but pearls came to me. It was like pearl, 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 pearl. And I was like, yes. I don't know if pearls came first or if the Marilyn Monroe black and white picture came first. There's a Marilyn Monroe black and white picture of her on her birthday. She's like in the back of a car. She's holding a cake. That was the inspiration for the cake props that you see in my pictures. I was like, I want this old Hollywood glamour vintage. So I started to look up like black um, black bitches glamour I started to look up just black and white pictures so I was getting inspo from that then I wanted to do pearls because first of all my mom loves pearls we already got a whole bunch of pearls in the house um and my mom loves pearls and I do too it just gives you so much class so much elegance a grand affair and that's what I wanted because in innately within me it is for me to be dramatic and that's just on absolute period like I am a dramatic person within myself. I don't know how I exude it. It depends on how close we are if you ever get to see it. But yeah, so I wanted to do that. And so that's what we did. So and even I didn't even the the vision didn't even come to fruition. Like I didn't even have a clear vision until that night when the inner Miss Diane came out of me. That's my mom. And she's very creative. Like she can make nothing into something. I personally am am not like that, you know. I need to see things before I can emulate it. I usually can't just look at a garland pile of pearls and say, this is the vision. But I tried my hardest. I used everything that was basically around me. I reused my streamers. I got the little platter out. I got the cake. Fun fact, thank you, Hannah, for my gift because she gave me Ferrero Rochers. That's not how you say it, but you know the little chocolate can, Ferrero Rocher. I think that's how you call it. So I put those on the top of the cake because the cake was a little bit bare and I knew you were going to see the top of it. I draped those pearls over the thing and as I started to like feel my way through the photo shoot, everything came out well. Then after that, I took the Como say pearls, draped it over my hand and I just said, let's just be extra. It is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. I'm going to say it like that and I'm going to leave it like that. I'm going to take the picture like that and I'm going to leave it like that. And so that's exactly what was done. I'm very proud of what the product of it was and so yes so that's my at home photo shoot let me go into the outside photo shoot but in order to get there I need to go and recap how my birthday was prior to my birthday because my birthday was on Thursday but on Wednesday my best friend Hannah took me out to dinner in a whole shebang so let's go over that so I remember like we were planning for my birthday and Hannah was like, I have a surprise for you. So I'm going to pick you up at this time and then we're going to go and whatever. It's going to be like a nice vibe. And the way that she was describing it, she was like, it's a surprise. I don't want to tell you. I'm debating if I should tell you. And I was like, like, because she was asking like, what kind of food do you want? Preferably, it needs to be something that's portable. So I'm like, girl, she's like pointing all the pointers to something that I asked that I wanted to do over the summer, which was to do a a picnic. So I just knew that we were going to be in the grass somewhere in the meadows doing a picnic. 
but it didn't turn out that way. And I didn't even realize that it didn't turn out that way until towards the end, towards the end of the day after we did all the fun things that we did. But anyways, we had dinner. We went to go eat sushi. It was very, very delicious. Um, let me find it because I always forget the word. I always. Okay. Harahachibu. So yes, we had Komosuji say sushi. We did harihachibu, which means push away from the table, stop eating at 80% full. We definitely did do that. So it was such a light and fresh um, early dinner. Like it was very delicious. And the sushi that we got, they served the second roll that we got with lime. And girl, it pushed it over the edge. I am here for that. Whoever invented that, I'm here for that. So after our dinner, we went to Lakes Park. We took pictures. It took a while for us to get into the mood. Um, also, I just don't know how to take full body pictures. I just don't. If you look at my Instagram, most of all of them are portrait style pictures because I don't know what to do with my legs and all that kind of stuff in my hands. Like, it's just a lot. But we had our tripod, which I think made it a lot better because I kind of got to see myself. So we ended up taking so many pictures. So many of them came out well. We did pictures together, individual pictures. They were just amazing I was so happy with the experience it was such a fun time I literally just like was in the moment we were laughing we were joking we were hanging out it was everything and so um yeah we left like at eight o'clock I need to share this story because I felt so bad after it happened so we were leaving right and I set my um gps up and me and Hannah lived like in the general direction like in order for us to get home we have to go in the same direction so she was like, I'm going to follow you because I need to set up my GPS and it's not set up yet. So I'm in the front. She, I'm leading her. Next thing you know, we're at a light and the light is like yellow. And sometimes when I'm right at the light, I panic. I panic and I just yank across the road so I can beat the light. And I forgot that I literally had Hannah like following me. And I felt so bad because it's like, girl, what if we were like, really lost and she didn't have any connection or anything like that's just so like you were not being considerate in that moment but literally I'm not used to people following me I'm used to following somebody else but I'm like how's she gonna ask me to follow um how's she gonna ask me to follow I don't know how to say that phrase like how do you how's she gonna ask me if she can follow <laughs> me and then I'm gonna leave her like come on come on um, but I ended up calling her. She was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got the GPS. I don't know if she actually had the GPS or she was just saying that because she didn't want me to turn around because what are we going to do? Like, you know what I mean? But if you're hearing this, Hannah, I'm very, very sorry for leaving you. It was literally like I was not thinking about it. I was not thinking about you also being able to get across the light fast enough. Um, so, yeah, that's that. So, yeah. Then on my actual birthday... That was my birthday Eve, which was really nice with my best friend. Then on my actual birthday, um, it was kind of like just really, really low key because my family was at work. So I was basically by myself. I like woke up. I woke up to Manny. That's why. Because I went to sleep so late taking my Pearl photo shoot that like. I was so exhausted and then after I did the pearl photo shoot like I had to clean up because I didn't want ants in my room I wanted to make sure that everything was put back because I just didn't want to go to sleep in mess so I went to sleep very late and Manny ended up calling me around like 10 or something like that I'm like hello and he's like not you still been in bed I'm like I'm asleep and so he told me happy birthday and da -da -da, so much birthday wishes Amanda called she must be happy birthday um Ashley text and um it was really really cute of course my family text and all that kind of stuff and so I was just kind of like taking the day easy I ended up doing a little bit of work because I did have a paper to write um you know it was really really short really easy um so yeah I'm also going to talk about that later because I really just want to explore Baroque and stuff and I kind of maybe want to do like a live research and talk about that. So we're going to keep that on. We're going to do live research and commentary Baroque pieces. Yeah, I'm not even going to go into it even though I want to, but I'm not. So anyways, back to the birthday day. And so, yeah, I did a little bit of work. And then after that, me and Hannah, it was Thursday. So me and Hannah do like our weekly podcast. It ended up not turning out as great as we wanted it to. I was listening back to it and it's a combination of me just 
being a bad interrupter like I already is something that I'm working on when I interrupt people but because of anchor in the way that the two-way anchor recording works it sounds even worse I was listening back to it and it's like I'm literally obliterating Hannah's sentences every single time like it's like girl can you ever let her get a word out like whoa it it just felt even more intense I felt like if it was if you were listening in real life it would have been a little bit less you know what I mean it would have still been me interrupting at points but it wouldn't have felt so bad because the way that anchor does it they kind of like switch the order of your responses if you talk at the same time it'll just prioritize it'll pick which one it wants to um prioritize so like Hannah will be talking and then my response to what Hannah said comes before what Hannah said you know what I mean so it's like it feels a little bit like flip-flop so that's just something to be beware of but yeah I wasn't really proud of that podcast just mainly because of my attitude approaching it I also didn't prepare for it like it wasn't like something that was in deeply in my heart you know what I mean like we had prepared to talk about healthy and holistic life but then kind of like rhythms kind of got thrown into that so we didn't even have time to prepare for what we wanted to say about rhythms in that sense so it was kind of impromptu and my thoughts were not collected and uh yeah but I'm glad that we recognized that the flow wasn't there and we got a really great learning experience out of that so that was cute and yeah let me wrap up it my birthday with the evening so I ended up oh I didn't even tell you guys so yeah me and Hannah had our podcast then I went to go pick up my nephew um we ended up going in I had to return a shirt at Ross I had to pick up dog food from Target and then since bento food is in the same plaza we went and we got some sushi from bento food and we like spent the whole evening together I really did appreciate that because I know that my nephew really likes watching movies with me and just spending quality time. So since it was my birthday and the day was free and I didn't really have like homework to do and all that kind of stuff, I was like, okay, we're going to get his favorite, which is always asking if, um, if we can get sushi. So I got sushi. We ate sushi and avocado. And then we watched Family Reunion on Netflix and we just hung out. It was very cool. And so, yeah, I spent the evening with my nephew. My mom came home. Um... I opened my gifts. I, this was the, this was like the first birthday since like me being a kid. I feel like that I've asked for a good amount of things. Like I did, I did. It wasn't too much. It wasn't, I asked for like three big ticket items or medium big ticket items. And then like two little, like little side pieces. But basically I really wanted a projector. I really wanted like the Revlon paddle hairbrush blow dryer thingy. I wanted a new wig and like a little binder and a little notebook thingy. So, um, yeah, I got my projector yesterday and I used it for the first time. It was really, really, really nice. Um, I just had to do like, I really want a projector stand, but I also don't want to invest, um, too much for a projector stand cause I don't know how, how much I'm going to use it, but I may want to, if I'm going to use it often, I didn't really think through the logistics of it because you can't really watch TV in the daytime, but I also don't usually watch TV that often. So I didn't want a TV in my room because I value square footage, every square footage I can get. I move my room a lot. So I move my room around a lot. So I don't want a TV holding me down. So that's why. I wanted a projector because I can put it away when I want it, but when I want to watch a movie. So that's what I ended up doing. I watched two episodes. So I watched All American, which I love that show. It's so like sad with everything that's going on with Kamosa Dice. Um, Spencer and Olivia, like they will never know peace. The writers don't want them to know peace. We waited like three seasons for them to get together. And right when they get together... She got to go ahead and deal with her addictions, but I guess it's better to get rid of, get done with it now so that we can move on later and they can know peace later than for them to know peace and then her have to deal with her addiction. It really hit home for me, um, with her talking about like her addiction and how literally she was in the car. She threw the, she threw the bottle of Como Se Dice, um, away, bottle of vodka away at school. She was in the car. She was going through a stressor and 
she was like way away from the school and she literally was looking for it. She went all the way back to school, dug in the trash can, got it out and drank it. And I said, wow, this is something. And the whole entire episode was really, really good. I think they handled it pretty well. I think they did. I think they did. I think they did. So that was nice. And then I ended up watching Concrete Cowboy. And I really, I remember when the um, Como City Say came out on um, Netflix, the trailer. Um, I remember when it came out, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Because first of all, I love anything that's like giving me black culture. I love anything that's giving me culture, period. Whatever it is, like if it gives me overwhelming culture, I'm into it. So I love that it was doing that. I love that it was doing something that was kind of a little bit unconventional. And they even touch on this about how black cowboys is kind of like has been erased. So that was that. I really like it. And let me kind of go into a mini review because this is something that I want to do. I am not a movie critic. I don't know what goes into movies. I don't know how things work. Girl, if you ask me my opinion, a lot of things that critics would say was, oh my gosh, this was horrible. This was trash. No character development. No this, no that. The decisions they made were poor. I would be like, this was good. So apparently either my taste is trash or I just have really low standards when it comes to like watching um tv and stuff like that but i don't expect much if it's giving me drama i'm willing to look past the plot holes a lot of people cannot look past plot holes and things in the timeline but if it's overall good it is giving me a feeling that i want to feel if it's supposed to be drama and you're making me cry if it's supposed to be comedy and you're making me laugh it's supposed to be suspense and you got me on the edge of my seat that's all i care about i don't care if there's potholes unless it's like super overwhelming like i will notice it and then i will just push that away because i'm here for the show i'm here for the show i'm here for the characters and that's what i really want if you have really good characters that can draw me in, that I can be attached to, that if they died, I would almost die too. That's what I'm here for. But neither here nor there. Let's get back to Concrete Cowboy. Obviously, let's get out the things that are just on the front limb. It would have done well without the Como City say. I mean, it wasn't even that much Como City say profanity, but it was just like, Cole, you just cussed it for no reason. Like, we get it, we get it, we get it. But it's like, you know, so that was that. At the beginning of it, um, let me just go through my thoughts. So basically, Concrete Cowboy, it follows Cole, who is a young boy. I don't know how old he is. Like, they didn't really, like, establish that very well. There was a lot of things inside this movie where it was like, you just had to infer what happened in between for it to get there. So, it starts off with Cole. He's, like, maybe in high school. You know, I think maybe, like, sophomore through a senior. Anywhere in that section. And um, his mom gets a call from the school and they're saying he's been in another fight and now they're um, presenting expulsion. So he's about to get expelled. She ends up picking him up. He, first of all, he started out coming sideways at his mouth to his mama. And I'm just like, who you think you talking to Cole? And I see why his mama was fed up with him. He look in the back seat. He see trash bags in the back seat with his clothes he like why you got my clothes in the back seat she like i am done with you cole in so many words she says i'm done with you and so he's still talking out the side of his mouth i'm like you and then she end up popping him which i'm so glad because it's like what's going on also a really good juxtaposition is that his mom just gives me such black woman vibes as far as like the black women that i know well spoken so sweet she seems very intelligent very exceptional very becoming of a woman and then we see cole and it's like where do we get this from it's like you come from a queen and you giving me hood rat vibes i want to know where is the disconnect so wherever he been at whoever he been hanging with he just got a got just different vibe going on but i think that that's very is usually like on par a lot of people like just want to be about it so bad but they really not about it because you don't even come from somebody that's about it you know what i mean like that's what be confusing me that's what because if you really about it be about it that's all i gotta say i ain't gotta say you know if you really about it i can respect you really being about it and that's where you come from but when you be posing imposter i have a problem with that you anyways so his mom she done with him 
they he ends up falling asleep in a car. They end up in Philly. He's like, where we at? She's like, you're you're living with your dad for the summer. He's like, what? I don't know him. Da, 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 da. So she ends up literally. He gets out of the car. She locked the door. He get his stuff out. She locked the door. He's like, mama, I love this um scene too, cause he was so hard at the beginning of this scene where he was coming crazy out the side of his mouth towards his mama. But then as soon as she locked the doors and she getting ready to drive off and leave him in a place where he haven't been in a long time, he's like, mama, mama, don't leave me here, mama, don't leave. So now you wanna be a mama's boy. Now you wanna be a mama's boy. Okay. So that was a really like, you know, a nice scene to add in. She ends up leaving him. Um, his daddy not even home. This is another thing that I was a little bit confused with. I was like, how should I feel about his father? Is his father a deadbeat or what's going on? Because the feel that I was getting, it wasn't giving me very much deadbeat vibes just yet. But it's like, but you don't know your daddy. So why don't you know your dad? But we, we're going to get to that later. So, and then they also kept alluding to the fact, because when he got left there, he's sitting there, his dad is at home, and then this lady was like, hey, come on over here. At first, I thought that she was going to be a prostitute or something trying to entice him, but no, she was a respectable woman, or not, I shouldn't say a respectable woman, that was a poor choice of words. She just wasn't a prostitute. So, um, anyways... She calls Cole over and she's like, hey, you harps boy. I haven't seen you in a long time. So she's giving me very much every black woman, every person in the South. I used to know you. You remember me? I knew you when you was this low. And it's like, girl, I do not know you. That was basically how Cole was. Cole was like, I don't know you. Um, but she was basically like, you harps boy. I remember you when you was little, whatever, whatever. You haven't been here in a while. So I'm trying to like take this information in to make sense of what it is. Okay, so he has known his father. He got to have known his father, but he haven't known him in a while. Like he hasn't seen him in a while. So like what's going on? I'm still trying to gather as much to kind of like develop feelings towards his father to see how I want to like see his father. Anyway, she's like, your daddy at the stables. And then he's like, I don't know what no stable is, like stables. And so she's like down the street, round the corner. So he goes round the corner. He sees his dad, all the old heads sitting around the fireplace. I love this. It's very much giving me culture. So all the old heads sitting around the um, fireplace and they telling stories or whatever. And talk about like, you know, um, you know, just how the erasure of cowboys and how they started it. They was back in the days. There was many of black cowboys out there and how, you know, how a lot of them used to be like um, a means of economics. I think like the horses were the economy basically. But then as trucks started to come in, the horse business, like they kind of just forgot about horses and using them for wagons and getting food from wagons, all that kind of stuff. Really great, like little inputs of history in there and stuff like that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Caleb there. He's looking at his dad. His dad kind of like, you know, approaches him. He doesn't seem to like hate his son. So I'm like, okay, I'm here for this. They ended up going home. His daddy's house is all dingy and stuff because he's a bachelor. A, a horse is in the middle of the house. A horse is in the middle of the house. So I think that he didn't want to stay there. Something happened with Cole or right? like he didn't want to stay there or something like that. And I don't know what happened because Cole is very much opposed to his father. He's like, I don't know you, man. Like this ain't home for me. Like I'm trying to get back home. That's his whole, that's his whole stick. His dad is very much indifferent. He's like, okay, if you want to stay here, it's the place here. If you don't want to stay here, then you'll just don't stay here. So I think Kayla, I mean, Cole, because his real name in life is Kayla, but Cole ends up leaving. He walking down the street. Um, I forget how this happened, but he ends up finding this dude who is Jamil in When They See Us, but his name is Smush in this movie. So Smush ends up rolling up. I, I immediately get a bad taste in my mouth with Smush because he just gives me foolish vibes like, ugh, like we already know how this is going to end and I already predicted it. We already know 
how it's going to end and I just felt like no Cole don't do it and I also don't want this for you Smush like come on let's do something else let's do something better so they go through that whole thing Smush keep giving Cole broken promises like when you with me you gonna be good I right? like you don't got your family I kind of didn't like how he was telling Cole that he was giving him very much hopelessness vibes to the point where it was kind of giving me this is why I had a bad taste in my mouth towards Smush um, because in the beginning, he was giving me very much like, forget about your family. You're alone. We're alone. We don't, we have nobody. We have no choice but to turn to the streets and we just got to get it how we can get it. And for, so for many people it's like that, but for Cole, it ain't like that. He got a daddy and he got a mama. His mama left him for a second cause he need to get his stuff together, but he got a daddy. He got a choice. He may not want that choice, but he got a choice. So I didn't like how you try to make him feel like you ain't got no choice. You got a choice. So anyways, keep going, keep going, keep going. They together, they hanging out, they cooling it, booting it, whoever, however. Of course, um, this is a tinge, this movie has a tinge of black trauma. So they're going to be selling drugs and it's going to be like a, a, um, a prospect of them probably like there's danger around because like now they playing with people and they playing with people money on their blocks and stuff so it's like I'm scared for y'all like I do not want y'all to get hurt like and that's what I was feeling throughout the whole movie every single scene where Smush and Cole was together I'm like y'all need to stop y'all playing games and I don't want y'all to get hurt that's how I'm like the whole movie like don't do it don't do it and when they was playing in that one scene where Jalen which I guess he's like the head you know let's just call him a drug lord I don't know I don't think that's the right terminology but anyways Jalen whoever he is he like pull smush aside he calls smush over he like hey smush I heard that you know somebody been I don't know exactly what he said but in so many words he said somebody been trying to infiltrate his block you know mess with his business on his block his livelihood and Jalen was like have you heard of anything and then smush like Nah, I ain't heard of nothing. And then Jalen was like, well, keep your ears peeled out for me or something like that. So at that moment, I did not know what they was doing. And I really thought that like, oh, somebody tried to infiltrate and like Smush was on his side. But then I was wondering why it was so awkward. Because Jalen ended up asking Cole, hey, like who got you them shoes or whatever. By the way, in just a scene earlier, Smush gave him them shoes. He was like, I got you. You ain't gonna never be without nothing when I got you. You know, you know how it be to be. Anyways, Jalen say, oh, who got you them shoes? Them shoes, nice. How much they run you? And Cole like, I don't know. My daddy got them for me. So I guess he lied. And he like, what a real expensive. He was giving very much like, I know something or I feel like I know something. I'm gonna make you think that I know something. That's what Jalen was doing. And so I was wondering why the scene was very tense while Smush, who is very much like, he usually is very much like confident and he, he know what he doing. He was like clenched. That's not the word that I wanted, but he was very tense when talking to Jalen. So I'm like, what is this? Come to find out later. Oh, Cole and Smush is the one that's messing and trying to infiltrate Jalen Block. If you see Jalen, you know not to mess with him. Like, what are y'all doing? Stop it, stop it, stop it. Spoilers, by the way. I'm just gonna put this in here. Spoilers. If you don't wanna come on to me say know the bigger things about this movie, do not listen to this. Period. But anyways, so you know, Caleb comes home that night or whatever. I don't think I have things in the correct order, but basically, not Caleb. Cole comes home. He's talking to his dad. And his dad was like, because Smush drops him off. That's what it was. Smush drop him off. And his daddy sees Smush. He don't like Smush. There's like animosity in between them. And I think it's because his dad just doesn't want Smush running the streets. And he definitely don't want his son running the streets. Because they know that it's the prospect of somebody being dead or something like that. Or in jail. So his dad like, if you're going to be running with Smush, you can't be here. You got a home, but you need to not run with Smush. And Cole was like, all right, well... I'm, I'm finna leave then. So he ended up leaving. He tried to go to Nessie, who was the lady that called him at the beginning of the show. Um, so Nessie comes and he say, uh, he tries to call her. I love the little dialogue that she gave him when she was basically like, um, 
if you leave your daddy house and you try to stay here, I can't allow that because if you think that you don't want to abide by your daddy rules, I got rules too. So you're going to have to find somewhere else to sleep. And then she's like, you know me, I usually have a warm bed and I got food and everything ready for when the prodigal sons return. And then Cole like, what that mean? And then she's like, um, or she's like, or no, she said, I usually have a warm bed and food and everything ready for when the prodigal son um, returns. And he's like, well, well, I'm a prodigal. I'm a prodigal. She's like, nah, you ain't, you ain't been with the slop, but the pig slops yet. You, you still running out there. And he's like, what did that even mean? And she was like, well, you just think about that. And I do exactly what she did. Um, so I love that little, just like that reference, you know, it's giving me very much, very much JC vibes, like Jesus Jamal, period. So, um, I like that because he really hasn't been with the slops yet, but once he gets to the slops, which later on, we'll talk about how he get to the slops. That's when he really going to want to come back home. So anyways, he ends up going, he ends up sleeping with the, um, uh, with the, not the cow, the horse. And so horse name is Boo. I love this. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about this? I love how the horse Boo that he ends up going to stay with in the cables, um, in the stables where he lays with that horse is supposed to be like, they later on, they're like, Oh yeah. Boo is like a wild horse. Like nobody can tame him. Nobody can really get in there with him. Nobody can really like, you know, uh, Boo is just wild. Nobody can calm him down except for Cole. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cute. Like this is so cute. Like, and all throughout the movie, it's this theme where, like, we're going to get to that later. Anyway, anyway, anyway. He sleep with the, um, Cole City say. Then I think he ends up going back home. I can't really remember. He ends up going back home. I think he's like, I'm not going to run with Smush no more. He ends up still running with Smush just in the nighttime. He's like, we got to keep it low, Smush. So anyways, he's with his dad or whatever. I'm kind of going to fast forward through some stuff because I kind of don't remember. But basically, his dad, they're still there. Um... Cole asked if he can ride a horse. He want to learn how to ride a horse. His dad was like, if you want to ride a horse, you got to work the stables first. So they end up going through this whole, like, you know, thing of like Cole picking up the poop and put it in the poop um, bin and all that kind of stuff. And then this man named Paris, who is a real rider. This is another thing that I really love about this movie. The incorporation and integration of real Philly horse riders, black cowboys, like they're not actors they are the real deal so Paris literally so it's just so good because he know what it's like to work a stable so he's like coaching Cole he like Paris yeah I gotta get in there you know and so it's time to go to Boo's stable again he's like ain't nobody been in there with Boo for a while he won't let nobody get in there so make sure you get all the poop up so he's you know working the stables working his way up then fast forward a little bit later Cole ends up finding uh, Paris who is in a wheelchair his dad earlier in the movie was working on a saddle and I was like, what are you working on? He ends up, that saddle ends up being like, uh, to help the, um, disabled parents to be able to ride a horse again. And also Cole ended up asking Paris in another scene. He was like, you know, um, let me ask you like, uh, or Paris was talking about his horse. And he was like, yeah, you know, sometimes I don't eat in order to feed little, which is his horse. And he was like, why you name him little? And then Paris was like, I named him after my, after my little brother. And so, um, yeah, he named him after his little brother. And he was like, he died two years ago. And later on, we find out that it was because him and Paris was running the street. His Paris and his little brother were running the street. They were fighting over a block. It ended up going wrong. And his brother, both of them ended up getting shot. He woke up, his brother did it. He was paralyzed. And I remember him talking about it. He was like, I don't know if this is a real true story. It would like, I don't know if it's a real true story because he really was like in that scene. And for him, I don't know if they actors, but um, in addition to being like authentic Philly writers, but still he was like, we were fighting over nothing. And now I'm in this wheelchair forever. And so he can never feel what it feels like to be on a horse. And that's their livelihood. That's what they love. But then back to Cole's dad making that prosthetic thingy for him, the saddle for him, he, he ends up like being able to ride the horse. It was such a beautiful scene. But then Cole upset. He go in the house. It was just such this beautiful like scene. He go in the house. He's like, you over here making saddles for cripples. And, and I was like, 
that, that was that part was funny a little bit but he's like you a dad to everybody else but you can't be a dad to me and then he was like why do you hate me that was such a good line like I was here for it um so he was crying and stuff and then his dad ends up I what I was looking for which I know this is not everybody's love language but what I was looking for was just a bit of intimacy from his dad because ever since Cole arrived even though his dad didn't seem abusive or like he didn't want him or like he you know wasn't wasn't happy for Cole to be there it was easy for Cole to interpret it as that because his dad wasn't very warming like he wasn't very like ah oh, son ah and I know it's not like that for a lot of men they're just they don't show their love like that but for sometimes it's really good to hear like either hear like son I want you here which is what happens in this scene or even like I wanted him to hug or something like embrace him he's crying and I guess it's just like a, a, a motherly instinct in me which I'm not a mother but uh, or a woman instinct in me I don't know but I saw him crying I want to hug him I'm like it, by the way his dad's name Cole's dad's name is Harp I'm like Harp hug him but anyways that's besides the point so Cole goes to that monologue he's like why do you hate me da 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 you know what I mean? And so then um, Harp ends up putting on this saxophone jazz music. And he basically tells a story about how, like, whoever the person that was playing the saxophone or whatever, he didn't have a father or whatever. I forgot how the father was not in their life. I think either he passed away or something or he was a deadbeat. I don't know what it was. But anyways, the man was fatherless, but he ended up making such great music and going on with his life and doing great things. That was the essence of the story that he was telling. And he was like, Harp ended up sharing with Cole how like he was running the street. He ended up um, saying that he didn't want any more with that because when he found out that he was having a son, he was like, I was done with that because I wanted to meet you. I wanted to meet you. And I was like, oh my God, that hit my heart. I want to cry. Like, not you saying you want to meet your son, but that was just so beautiful of him literally wanting to give up the fast life because he wants to make sure that he will be there to see his son. And I love that he finally used those words of affirmation because a lot of kids want to hear that. But anyways, he keeps on going, but he was like, the cops ended up getting to Cole's mom. He ended up, they ended up like squeezing her. So she ended up like, you know, given the info in the info so he ended up going to upstate for a for a nickel he said I did a nickel in upstate I was like well let me do use some inferences I think he did five years there because a nickel was five cents so I like that too like I love that so um yeah he ended up doing the nickel upstate and he came back they took everything away from him and now he's living his life just more low-key more humble more just chill he not trying to run, not trying to do the most. He just trying to be. And so I love that. And so he was like, oh, and then he said, he said um, to Cole, Hart said to his son, Cole, he was like, I told your mom, I know I ain't worth about a dime. He said the cuss word, but you, you know, I ain't worth about a dime, but let me name my son. Let me do at least that. And so the saxophone player, because we do a full circle, the saxophone player that was without a father, you know what I mean? His name was Coltrane. He ended up calling his son Coltrane too because he was like, because if he could do it without a father, you could do it too, basically. Or if he went without a father, I feel like you will be fine. And I just love that. I love that. It's so beautiful. I love father-son relationships and whatever Kowalski say um, background it is, but especially a black father and son relationship because as you can see from this movie, it's very few, well, it's not very few and far between, but sometimes with the culture and the way that it, the stakes are set, it just don't happen that way because a lot of people are either dying or they do it a nickel or a dime or 25 cent upstate, a quarter upstate, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's so beautiful to have that and we already know that it's out there, but to see it showcased as well. So anyways, he sit on the couch. He cool. Cole still running with Smush though. I'm so upset about this. And I still had this bad taste in my mouth. But this is a pivotal moment where Smush ends up saying like, you think that I'm just doing this just to do this? Because I really thought that he was just running the street because he just wanted a thrill or something. Or he just started to chase cash. Like, but no, he got a story. And I love it when writers make the uh, the characters have a story i love that don't let us just be struggling or doing stupid stuff just to be doing stupid stuff 
I need to have give a character a motive because that's what makes a really great character character to have it be layered and two-dimensional not you just being a drug dealer just to be a drug dealer because you just want to be a drug dealer like why what's your motive why are you doing this why are you putting your life on the line and I love that they do that because Smush takes Cole home he gives him the papers and he's like hey we're gonna buy a ranch for low flip it then do it again buy again flip it buy it again flip it buy another one flip it and he's like and then we'll eventually settle on one that we really like and then we can just chill out and ride the horses we can come back and get my horse chuck and you can take boo and we can ride basically into the sunset that's what he basically said in so many words and I was just here for that because I love a visionary I love a visionary that can see further than where they're at you know what I mean I personally wouldn't want you to do that because I don't want you to die but I see why you're doing it now doesn't mean I have to agree, but I see why. Because I see the vision. I see that you want to get out. I see that you want to do something different. And that's what I was here for. There's this other whole subplot of like the stables being at risk because it's basically drencher fires. They want to come and tore down the stables because of the poop. If you live in a country, you don't smell poop and that's on period. Move somewhere else. But no, the people want to tear down the stables. And what I will say is though, the old heads was wrong because the cop who is who is running in their crowd he's an old head too he was telling them like hey listen these other people they're not gonna be like me or try to give you the benefit of the doubt we gotta do something the roof collapsing the dead horse there and all the old heads like if they want to come take our stable then take our stable the horse we gonna get rid of it this that and the third this our block it was very much like you know nice but it was very much come on these saying like um delusional in a sense y'all gotta put some action behind this because what happened they did come and take y'all stables they did come and take them horses and if they would have listened a bit and not been so hard-headed maybe something could have happened to prevent that because then when it happened Cole like do something do something I love that that scene where he's like do something to his dad do something and everybody upset and they're like oh why are you gonna take the same it was like he warned y'all and i i agree with come on city say the black cop that was telling them like i told y'all and y'all ain't want to do that then now look at us but even with that even with that because both sides were wrong why you gotta mess with the stables people gentrifiers but also <sighs> we gotta work towards owning our own stuff so that they can't do that to us so there's both sides that should be held accountable anyways so, I don't know where I'm at in the story. Basically, Cole and Smush still running the streets, still doing the thing, still trying to play Jalen like y'all not going to get popped. Y'all going to get caught. And that's exactly what happened. They got caught almost once. Like, they literally took Smush out the car, almost put him in the trunk to run away with him. But then the cops ended up showing up. So, Smush hopped out the car. Hop out the car while the car moving out the trunk. They run and run and run and run and run in front of Popo. And then they end up finding themselves in a what's it called? And I think, no, that's what happened. They sweat and whatever, whatever. After that, after they already know that Jalen is on to them, Smush like, we just going to mix up. We just going to mix up the drop spots. We still got this. We good, Cole. Is you in or is you out? Cole like, I don't really know, but I guess so because now I see your vision. Like, I'm with you. They do the last Como Cedice. They do the last boy where he's like, oh, we got to mix it up. Cole's like, he dropped Cole off at the stop to be a lookout while he drive to the corner store across the street. Next thing you know, kid ride up on a bike. Pow, pow, pow. Spoilers. <sighs> Smush on the freaking ground. That's what I cried because I just, I knew it. After, after they showed the Smush's vision of what he wanted to do after he leaves the life, like he, his whole goal was like to basically to just find peace and quiet and ride his horses and stuff and find some ranches and just be a upstanding guy. But this is what he got to do before. Once he told that story, I said, I know. Smush is going to die and Caleb is going to be the one to take it on and fulfill what his, you know, what his brother said he was going to do, basically. And it just made me cry. It was so sad because it's like, nobody wants to see this. You know, like, I don't, I don't want to see this. But you know what was so beautiful? So, Cole ends up seeing his, his brother, I mean, not his brother, but his friend, basically. Smush dead on the ground. Oh, it's so sad. He ends up. Um, the, the black cop who is like, he running the crowd. He is an old head. He ends up going to Hart, which is Cole's dad. And he's like, Hey, Smush basically passed away. You need to find Cole. 
Cole is somewhere in the stables where Boo is at. His hands are red. His shirt is bloody. His father comes to find him. He's like, hey, sit here. He takes a, a, a canister of water and he like wipes his hand down from the blood. He takes his shirt off. He's just being a father. And I love it at this point is where he actually used that like that real warmth and um, contact, the, the love language of like physical touch. And he just embraces his son as he cries. And he's like, hey, you know, they put him in the ground. But he ain't go out like a real cowboy. We got to go get his boots. We got to go get, um, what's his name, Chuck. And we got to give him his last ride. And I just love that. I don't know anything about that culture, but I just know that it's so rich. And if they really do this, like, uh, it just gave me everything. And so when Caleb, not Caleb, but Cole got on the horse, they put his boots on his grave. They got on the horse and they just like celebrating him in such a great way I was here for this and then the last um scene that I wanted is where Boo breaks out so Boo like breaks out which is like the bad horse or whatever he like in a field somewhere everybody looking for him and so Hart tried to get Boo to like everybody was like holding hands to uh, to form a wall which I love how it was just such a unity scene it was such a good scene it was one of my favorite scenes and so you know, heart trying to everybody like you're not go you're not go um bound him up like that. Boo too wild for this. You not he not gonna let you get that close. So heart like, hey, listen, Boo, come on here. I'm gonna clip you down. Boo is going wild. He bucking. He hucking. He tucking. Everything happening. And so Nessie's like, you know who you? Why do I keep wanting to say cow? Nessie's like, you know who horse this is. You know he not gonna let you get close. And so everybody look at Cole. Oh, it was such a good scene. It was such a good scene. They look at Cole and they're like, Cole, you got to do it. Cole, like, I can't, I can't, I can't. They're like, no. And then Hart, like, look at me. You can do this. He's like, all you got to do is take the little, the lead, hook it on him. You good. So then Cole, like, hey, boo, it's me. It's me. We good. We good. And then after that, Hart, like, don't look at me. I love how Cole was looking back at his father for that, como se dice, validation. Hart, like, don't look at me. Look at the horse. Stay focused. And so basically, he ends up getting the horse on the leash. And then they're like, now you got to lean up on his back and get on, on, on top of him and show him who's boss. And I just love everything about this, about them teaching him how to ride a horse like period like this is so beautiful like and this is all that Cole wanted to ride a horse and for his father to be there and cheer him on and support him it was, it was everything it was everything he fell off he fell off the horse his daddy said get back up it's all right it's all right you gotta get back up try again I'm like I'm just here for this I'm here for this you know what I mean I'm just uh I'm in heaven basically he get back on the horse he showed Boohoo's boss and they like Nessie's like he, they, he finally broke him which is like a um, a reference to the beginning of the film where they were talking about how like back in the days they used to want to like break horses by dominating them and beating them or whatever. But she was talking about how like a lot of black cowboys specifically understood that you can't break a horse that way by trying to break their spirit. But instead being one with them and showing them respect and showing them love. And that's basically what Caleb did to Boo. You see the full circle in here? Also, two things. Let's talk about the, the, como se dice, the director. Whoever shot the film, they shot it well. Like in the running scenes, scenes with the shaky camera, when he's walking through the alley with the shaky camera, like, the director told the story. That's all, period. They told the story. They told the story. They told it well. The direction. Also going back to Smush dying, like, that just hurt my heart so much. Also going back to them showing respect that Smush's, um, Smith's funeral doing his you know his last ride when Caleb stood on top of that horse I'm like this is symbolic period but I'm like a lot of these things y'all ain't teach him nothing what did y'all teach him how to get on the horse what did y'all teach him let alone how to stand up on a horse because that's what oh my gosh Smush said earlier too I'm gonna teach you how to stand up on your horse ah that's so beautiful too how he stood up on Smush's horse at his grave to show respect even though Smush was supposed to teach him how to right now this is sad but it's beautiful but anyways so yeah the director i'm all over the place by the way y'all gonna follow me watch the movie first and then come listen to me but the director really 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 good that's all i can say i don't have as much great of a vocabulary to say much two i love the use of like philly slang like that john <laughs> 
that John Young Bull and what else? Real rap. Like, I love that. Like, let me rap at you for a second. Real rap. Let, let me say, I love culture. If you're, if you haven't heard anything in this podcast, know that I love culture. Okay. So I think that's pretty much the end of the story. There's other things that kind of go within and stuff like that interweave and intertwine. I love at the end when like his mom comes back and like you can just see the chemistry between his mama and Harp. His mama and Harp. He's like mama and Harp. And then how they just have such a good relationship. And I just love everything about the movie. It was everything. It was everything. It was everything. Minus the black trauma, but then the black trauma brought an element that, you know, really does pull at your heartstrings. But what I would have preferred is that they let Smush live his life that they let smush be great he had a vision why couldn't y'all let him and cole go to the ranch and ride into the sunset with their horses why couldn't y'all let them do that why can't y'all let them be happy it's like he really gotta die he had to die if heart got to stay alive why couldn't smush stay alive like come on now is it reality i don't know if it's reality for him to have been alive or not but this is a movie Smush should have been alive, and that's a period. But one thing that I can say about the actor who played Smush, who also played the one dude in Como City, say when they see us, I forgot his name. I think it's the real actor's name is like Jamil or something like that. That is an actor. That is an actor. What I will say about him is I respect his craft. I respect his craft. I also respect Idris Alba's craft because he just gave me such old head vibe. Period. I also respect. Caleb's vibe because what he did with that with that como se dice role is he did what needed to be done everybody in that movie understood the assignment and they did it and they did it well and that's all I will say and again shout out to the integration and the inclusion of real Philly cowboy riders period because it really brought a, even an added layer of authenticity to it. Because you know if they're involved, they're going to make sure that the way that they treat the horses, the way that they talk about it, the way that they go about things is going to be authentic to how they really live. And they really be riding horses today. To this day, they be riding horses. Anyways, y'all, this is a really great podcast. I'm super um, happy that you guys got to listen to me do my first Comosity Say review, period. I'm going to do one of these often. Again, y'all better watch the movie before y'all hear me talk about it. Also, um, don't hold my my critiques as high in a high enough regard or anything because I am not a film critic. I don't know what I'm talking about. And as I said, usually you can give me like smush, like just crap. And I'll be like, this is good. Who knows? But this is just what I have to say about what I watched, what I interpret. And I may have missed things. Things may have been out of space, but that's your business, not mine. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed me talking about my week, about my birthday week. Everything was really, really great. Everything is going on in life. It was really beautiful. Anyways, until next time, my friends, peace, positivity, productivity, prosperity, and a God-sent perspective to you and everyone that you know. And until next time, bye!